right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Priority One Book Club. Still have not messed that up yet. Amen. We are on Chapter 7. As always, I'm Caleb. I'm Hoyt. I'm going to edit it so that Caleb messes up the intro. Oh, shucks. I'm Andrew. I've been bamboozled. Heckin' bamboozled. That's a really long name. It's been got. I'm going to get gotted. God, I love that. You know what you got to love even more? Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Yeah. We're going to talk all about him this week. Who is Melchizedek? Huh? Who is We're going to talk all about him today. I'm so excited. Why is he so important? Why does Caleb seem to have a crush on Melchizedek? Well... I mean, if there ever was a guy in scripture, you know, dude sounds like a stud. Anyway, we're going to get into it. We're jumping straight in. We talk, we've talked the past couple episodes leading up to this, talking about the uh, great high priesthood, Jesus being the great high priest of our faith. So let's get straight into it. I'm going to read chapter seven, verses one through, I'm just going to do one through three because there's something I want to like hint at, you know, just... Stir the pot up with a little bit, so to speak. All right. So Hebrews chapter seven, verse one, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem. That is king of peace. He's without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. So, let's turn to Genesis chapter 14. We're going to read just a little bit of Genesis chapter 14. So, to give you the context here, Abram is going to rescue Lot from Sodom. You know, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah are getting after it with some other kings in the area. And Abram's like, I got to get my boy Lot out of here. So I'm going to start in verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high and blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons that I made to take the good for yourself, so on and so forth. Uh, don't need to get all of that. We know remarkably little about Melchizedek. All we know about him, we know from Hebrews chapter 5 and 7, Genesis 14, a handful of verses, and Psalm 110 verse 4 which basically just says that jesus is forever a priest after the order of melchizedek you know that's all we know about this guy so when the author of hebrews says and i quote he is first by translation of his name king of righteousness and then he is also the king of salem that is king of peace so he's the king of righteousness and the king of peace he is without father or mother or genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues to preach forever. So I beg the question, is Melchizedek, this guy that just pops up out of nowhere in Scripture, a Christophany? Is Melchizedek Christ taking human form for a brief period of time in the Old Testament? Is that what's going on here? 
I want to know your thoughts. Hoyt's braining real hard right now. Mm-hmm. Andrew's scrolling through something. I mean, when you read verse 3, it certainly seems like it. Yeah. I don't feel confident enough to give a definite yes or no, but it, if you just read it that no, way. No, Hoyt, I want a definitive yes or no now. Give me a give me a position. You're not going to get it. Oh, shucks. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, except probably, yeah. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. You could you could look at he is without father or mother or genealogy, but okay, there's just no record of who his parents were or whatever. Sure. He was also a king. Right. Kings are descendants of other kings, though. Exactly. Um, There'd be a record having, of that, wouldn't there? This is the kicker. Having... Neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues to breathe forever. So old dude was never born and never died. It was the Holy Spirit. Andrew? Andrew's looking at me like he's got some thoughts. They're complicated thoughts because, like... To me, like it could be, but then the part that like it's Jesus is a high priest after the order of Count Melchizedek, so he's who better for Jesus to be the high priest after though after himself than himself. So that make, that makes me wonder about I don't know which of the three uh, persons of God was it? Like who is Jesus modeling after? Is it? talking about the perfect example of like God the Father and the example that he would set of being a high priest or what? Well, so why why, why couldn't Jesus just uh, follow after his own order? You know, well, what's to say that he couldn't, you know? Why couldn't Jesus model his own behavior? As we've seen in chapter 6, God's character doesn't change at all. We'll let you go listen back to episode 6. Welcome, Welcome back. back. So, Who's, Sorry, who's to say that you know Jesus couldn't follow the order that he himself set however a couple thousand years before that? You know? Fun little thought. Fun, fun little thank you thought. Fun little thought to think about. Yeah, so like what what are some other Christophanies that we see in scripture? Just to kind of give some context. Um Maybe like Rack, Shack, and Benny in the fiery yeah. furnace in Daniel chapter three. Yeah, when the angel shows up, the the angel of the Lord, the Who fourth was the man. prophet that was just taken up, Elijah. Elijah. Uh, I don't know if that was really a Christophany. He's like he just got swirled up. Yeah, but know? like he didn't have a death day. Oh, so you're so comparing so. you're comparing this to that? Yeah. Okay. Well, Enoch was the same way. Mm. Enoch just got caught up. We see that in like I wonder what early Genesis. Enoch is. I want to read it. It's got some weirdness. Yeah. Um, they explain. They at least explains the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> another Christophany, like the angel of the Lord wrestling with Jacob. Mm. Oh, oh, I'm dumb. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. 
Huh. The burning bush is another one. Burning bush, yes. Yeah. The talking donkey, or is he just made a donkey? I don't. I think I don't know if that was. What did the donkey say? I forget that. Balaam and the talking donkey. I think that was just God speaking through the animal. I mean, just God being fun. Yeah, God didn't take form. Right. Take physical form on earth. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. All that's in the donkey story is the donkey sees the angel of the Lord blocking the path and Balaam doesn't. And yeah. then Balaam keeps beating the donkey and the donkey finally says, would you stop doing that? And then the yeah. God opens Balaam, Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel. Right. Um, some people consider in second, at the end of Second Samuel when David takes the census and he shouldn't have and the death angel comes and kills a bunch of people. Some people consider that a Christophany, you know, like Jesus being the angel of death. Uh yeah, you know, their, their point is, like, it's not like this crazy, uncommon thing for God to show up in physical form on earth. So, is it a crazy thought to think that maybe Melchizedek, this guy that just shows up for a brief period of time, that we have no record of, they have no record of whatsoever, no genealogy or anything, even though he's a king, you know, maybe this guy's God. Like a Christophany, you know, Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But God knows. I don't think he is. <laughs> um, I did that to my family group, and they got so mad at me because I gaslighted them all into 100% believing that Melchizedek's all Christophany. So you lied to them? All of them, yeah. I, I got all of them to believe, yeah, in a sense. Well, no, I didn't lie. I gaslighted them. Um, the same thing. Whatever. And to believe in that Melchizedek is Christophany, and it, it, it's a possibility. It's funny that I don't believe that he is. Sway them one way or another about an issue he doesn't know the answer to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do have an opinion. A real politician. But. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't believe he's a Christophany. It would not have been particularly uncommon for we. We don't have the genealogies of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know that. It would not have been. I mean, back in the day, genealogies were a very Jewish thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, to trace your genealogy going back to Adam and Eve or back to Abraham was a very, very Jewish thing. So, yeah, uh, that that's not like really a sticking point for me. Ultimately, I side with something you brought up earlier when you said that. I mean, we might just not know who his father and mother are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a very real possibility. Um, that seems plausible. I think that in reality, he was probably just a, a a good king that honored and served God well as the king of Salem, which would become Jerusalem later on. Um, so yeah, just a little fun thought experiment. Ha 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 ha. But it is a cool thought that he did kind of set this standard of yes, a king and a high priest can be the same person. Okay. And we're going to read all about that in this chapter. So let's get into it. I'm going to read again through verse 10. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch gave a 10th of the spoils and those descendants of Levi who received this, who received the priestly office, have a commandment in the law to make tithes from the people, to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers. Though 
These also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descendant, who does not have his descent, from, I, I received the Hoyt's gift of inability to read for this episode. Good job passing it on Hoyt. Yeah. Yay. All right. I'm going to try that again. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So here again, just we're still like establishing the character of this guy, Melchizedek. He has not been talked about much in Scripture at all, actually twice total to this point. That's the only times in Scripture this guy's brought up. So uh, I wanted to point out verse 7. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. So right away, we're seeing Melchizedek being elevated to a status above Abraham. So Melchizedek is blessing Abraham, the guy that received the promise from God himself. So Abraham's already above a lot of people as far as status and he's rights. On the up and up. He's already he's above the up and up. He is up and going upper. And on that up. But Melchizedek, up. he's upperer than Abraham is. His up is more he's up dog. He is up dog, yeah. Yeah. He makes Abraham's up look low. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> so we're seeing the Melchizedek. He's, this dude's being elevated real high. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get into the tithes, that issue. And this is one of the things I didn't want to like shove this into the whole Christophany thing because then we would have talked about it forever. But uh, Abraham offered tithes to Melchizedek. Okay. Now, does that mean that Abraham is recognizing Melchizedek as a Christophany, or is he just giving his offering to the high priest for the high priest to handle? Because that's what would have been done anyway. You know? um, but regardless, Abraham is recognizing the authority of this guy, that this guy is the high priest of the one and only true God, and he is giving his offering to him so that Melchizedek can do with it as need be. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. And then I'm going to wait a little while to make this point because I think it's laid out more clearly the further on we go. Andrew, would you read verses 11 through 14? Fourteen? Yeah, 11 through 14. Now, if perfection had been obtainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests." Okay, so now there's just a little bit of conflict. So when we raise the the position 
of high priest, when we put that position, uh, when we put Christ in that position, that took me a minute to figure out how to say that. <laughs> we put Christ in that position. There's the logistical things like, yo, the priesthood ran through Le- the Levitical tribe. How could Jesus, being from the tribe of Judah, have been a priest? That doesn't work. But the author of Hebrews takes it a step backwards and says, hey, there was a high priest back before Levi even existed, a couple of generations before Levi even existed. His name is Melchizedek. And he was also... Melky, as I like to call him. <laughs> Melky. And <laughs> got me all off my train of thought. <laughs> so Levi hasn't even been born yet for a couple of generations. And there's this guy named Melchizedek who was both the great high who's the high priest and the king the king of righteousness and the king of peace so there's a whole other level above where any uh where, where any hebrew high priest could get to they could never get to that level where they were king and high priest Hoyt, would you read verses 15 through let's just go through 19 15 through 19. 15 yeah. through 19. Okay. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement considering in bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Okay, so we saw in what Andrew read, the idea that there's every time that there's a changing of the high priest, in the same way as like if there's a new governor, or mayor, or sheriff, or whatever, there's slight policy changes. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new sheriff in town. New high priest in town. <clears throat> so, why why would there be? little changes every time that there's a new high priest. What reasons could there possibly be for that? Because it says that there's necessarily changes that happen. Hmm. They're doing the thinky think. It's giving you a play by play. What's doing the scrunched nose thought Kind of doing like a bit of a gym face from the office. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't hear the question. <laughs> Why is there necessarily uh, a changing in some legal facets whenever there's a new high priest? Because they might all interpret the law differently because yeah. they're human. Yeah. Hmm. That's all it is. Yeah. And it's not like they have crazy different interpretations of the law or anything. It's just that whether it's. Uh, enforcement under certain circumstances or how he's going to handle certain cases brought before him or whatever. There's going to be slight variations because no two men are exactly the same. What if one of them wakes up earlier than the one before him? It it literally could just be office hours, you know? (laughs) Sun up to sundown? Nah, we're going to get up before the sun. We're going to go home before the sun goes down, you know? I like my evenings. When the sun goes down on my side time. Do y'all think Melchizedek was a morning owl or a a night owl or an early bird? I don't think that's a relevant question to the discussion. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, moving on. I mean, you just shut it down. 
because there's no way that's well it's so no, no, i had a thought process ready to go with it it says that in verse three no. it says in verse three that but resembling the son of god he continues a priest forever and so if Melchizedek's resembling the son of god jesus was obviously an early bird he got up early to pray all the time i was, I was, I was gonna say gosh it, it makes sense you're right but just Gosh. the way Andrew's just like I don't think that's real I just wanted to do a fun little thing but no Andrew's like no no that's good Caleb I'm proud of thank you, you. thank you Hoyt <laughs> thanks for almost liking me Andrew's a bully no uh, I just like to keep us on topic instead of hey we're gonna go through verses 11 through 14 now Oh, back in back in verse three, we see that Melchizedek okay. was a okay. morning okay. person. Okay. <laughs> All right, he got it at four thirty four, like Jocko Willink. <laughs> Get up before my enemies. Yep. All right. Um, Go to bed. Melchizedek said, "We got to hustle before we grind." Go to bed at six oh one. Wake up, up at six o'clock. Get negative one minute of sleep. Minus one minute of sleep. I'll start doing push ups. That's true. true. All right. Verse 20. I'm going to, I might just go ahead and read it out. Hopefully I can actually read. All right. Hebrews 7 20. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save the... Uh, he is able to save to the... Uh, save... This is an important verse. You better not. <coughs> as as <well> not. <laughs> I had my episodely stroke. Verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the utmost. Uttermost. Uttermost. Golly. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives, to make intercession for them. I'm going to stop there for a second. You know, when I die, I kind of want that to be on my tombstone. It's prevented by death from continuing in office. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, here we're seeing some you know, cool Trinitarian stuff. We're seeing... Uh, when we go back to episode one, we saw a lot of it. We'll wait. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Uh, we're seeing a lot of cool Trinitarian stuff here, too. We're seeing the Father, once again, exalt the Son. <coughs> so, the idea that Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. Because he's not dead. He's not in the tomb. He's alive. Yeah, He's alive. He can guarantee that the covenant is seen through just really really cool really really cold stuff he holds just neat neat things he holds the priesthood permanently because there's no one else that's going to take it from him there's no one else that can take it from him because he's not going to die again yeah he already did that once he said nah fam not for me and he came back he's he alive. said this whole death thing i'm better than nah. that you know so uh what you want to read out the rest of the chapter four starting verse 26 yes sir uh, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, excuse me, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, 
first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered him offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the, the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Okay, so and here is where it's all wrapped up. So Jesus the, the the story of the last three chapters is that Jesus is the great high priest. At, not after the order of you know men, the Levitical priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek, because he is not just the high priest, but he's also the king of his kingdom, of which we are uh, citizens. So he can hold this position. He can say that he's the great high priest, not just the high priest, but the great high priest, because he did not have to offer up sacrifices for himself because he never sinned. You know, his one sacrifice wasn't even made for himself. It was made for the rest of mankind. Cool little gospel presentation stuff in there. But Christ's sacrifice was once was once for all. That's what verse 27 says. He did this once for all. And then I'm just going to read verse 28 again. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. So Christ now fills that office. And why that's so significant for us. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not having to uh, go to a man, another man to make a sacrifice for my sins. I can go straight to God. I can go straight to Christ. I can pray to him. And he, like First John 1, 9 says, we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and even just going back to verse 25 since he always lives to make intercession for them like right that's what he does now he will never stop doing that he will never stop right. making intercession for us and if you want to tie it back into the assurance of faith from last week or the yeah last time was it last time or two times ago i'm confused but save to the uttermost those who draw near to him. Yes, that was the last episode. Okay. I think. It might have been. It might have been this episode. Yeah, no. it was literally verse 25. No, I was talking about like tying it back in to what we talked about in, yeah. Oh, as far as apostasy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I liked verse 25 a lot. Yeah. So... So just if you, this is one of those things that it, it it really lays out so clearly a clear rebuttal for the idea that okay well Jesus can't be a high priest because he wasn't of the tribe of Levi he was the tribe of Judah well there's this guy named Melchizedek and as great as he may have been Christ is better you know because Melchizedek king of righteousness king of peace Grace he may have been, he's still not God. So Jesus took that, followed after his order, but made it better. So And like going back to the whole like purpose of this old dude writing Hebrews was to try to convince them of how great these things were. I think that's like one of the reasons why he mentions Abraham giving ties to Melchizedek, because Abraham was such a respected person to the Jews. Right. It's like, oh, so he's pledging allegiance to this Melchizedek dude, yeah. and here's him proving that Jesus is greater than Melchizedek. Cool. Yeah, so it raises the questions like for those that are um for for any Jew who is struggling with this idea of 
Christ's supremacy or whatever, are you going to value the Levitical tradition or are you going to value Abraham and what he did higher? You know, the Levitical priesthood, which may have been established by God, but was taken over by men and uh, operated by men for a couple thousand years. Are you going to value that establishment? Or are you going to uh, or value um, what Abraham, Levi's great grandfather, said about this? You know, like he he very clearly held Mel- Melchizedek on a much higher pedestal than anything else. Like we don't see Abraham offer tithes to anybody else in all scripture. So, yeah, a lot of really cool stuff in here. Um, this is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. <laughs> I just love talking about it. Um, so yeah, uh, there's, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it there as far as, unless y'all have something else y'all want to talk about, but I could legitimately talk about this for hours, but it would, it would be a lot of this and that kind of stuff, but yeah, you have thoughts? No? None I can think of. It's my nap time. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in to the Party One Book Club, folks. As always, I'm Caleb. I'm Hoyt. And I'm Andrew. Talk at you next week. Chapter 8. See you later. See you later. See you later.